And now, from the Save on Foods Wines of British Columbia studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. Hot town, summer in the city, back of my neck getting dirt and gritty. Bend down, isn't it a pity? Doesn't seem to be a shadow in the city. All around Hello, British Columbia. I'm Anthony Gismondi, and welcome to today's show. It's the BC Day Long Weekend. It's scorching hot, and we wish you well wherever you are tuning in around the province. We'll try to keep you cool with thoughts of icy ciders, crisp, non-alcoholic raisins, a cooling mistral wind, and some of the coolest wines in Canada. Our journey today starts in Germany with winemaker extraordinaire Johannes Leitz and Calgary distributor Mark Kuspera to explore the explosive category of non-alcoholic wines. From the Rhein-Hessen to the Naramata Bench, just outside of Penticton, we make stops at Lake Breeze with winemaker Garen Elms to talk about the farmstead, and we'll stop in with Annalisa Simonson, Director of Operations, Creek and Gully Cidery, to talk handcrafted ciders. Finally, Master of Wine Jeffrey Moss has the biggest news of the day from the National Wine Awards of Canada. This is BC Food and Wine Radio, and I'm Anthony Gismondi. There's more to come. This is BC Food and Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi. Penticton, the hub of the South Okanagan. A place to slow down, take your time, and enjoy perfect patio weather and a world-class wine and culinary scene. With 80 wineries within a 20-minute drive, along with distilleries and cideries, eight craft breweries, and a fantastic variety of locally sourced restaurants, Penticton is the perfect destination for your relaxing summer getaway. For details on wineries, tours, tasting room, and restaurant hours before you go, and for more trip inspiration, head to visit Penticton.com. As someone who is starting or adding to their wine or spirits collection, you recognize your choice of a reputable supplier is paramount. As the only auction in Canada dedicated to fine wines and spirits, Iron Gate Auctions offers buyers a safe, inexpensive way to initiate or enhance their collections. They're experts in the field, and all of their offerings are meticulously sourced from private sellers across Canada. To find out more, visit irongateauctions.com. BC VQA Wine, a reflection of our land and the exceptional folks that craft every bottle. Save on Foods is proud to offer the world's largest selection of BC VQA wines all in one place, plus an extensive collection of BC's most popular ciders. And with their everyday customer discount program, you'll get 10% off any four bottles or select 12 bottles and save an additional $12. Wines of British Columbia at Save on Foods. Find your nearest store at saveonfoods.com. The most exciting club in the Okanagan is Summer Hills Organic Wine Club. When you become a member, you'll receive 24 bottles per year of sommelier-curated organic wines. Enjoy preferred pricing and free delivery. Plus, members earn double gratitude points, which gives 20% of each order back in your pocket. Get insider information on Summer Hill's new releases and special events. Enjoy the flavors of Summer Hill. Join the Organic Wine Club at summerhill.bc.ca. From our Save on Foods Wines of British Columbia studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. Don't show up, don't come out, don't start caring about me now. Hello, British Columbia, and happy BC Day long weekend with a shout out to our Vancouver base at BNN Bloomberg 1410 and all other 19 cities across the province on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. We are excited today. We're going to welcome Mark Kaspira. He's the owner of Soft Crush, a Canadian importer of non- and low-alcoholic beverages. 
and producer Johannes Leitz, a, a legend in Germany, the winemaker at Leitz Wines in the Rheinhessen, to talk about the explosion in non-alcoholic wine sales. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Great to have you both. Yes, yes. Thank you, Anthony. Yes, hello. Welcome. Yeah. Yeah, Johannes, we're so happy that you could join us today. Uh, there's been such an explosion of interest in non-alcoholic wines, and yet, you, you know, your reputation uh, far precedes that as as one of the great producers of Riesling around the world. I, I'm wondering right off the bat how you managed to, you can make two different wines, one without alcohol and one with alcohol. Was that an easy decision or a hard decision? It was honestly a very, very hard and a crazy decision. And I don't know, it, it, it should not come to a monologue. But when I start really on the beginning, it turns out into it because I think it is really, really a very funny story because everything started in Norway in, in one of my favorite restaurants. So if you want, I can tell you exactly where the general idea came from. And sure. of course, Please the do. idea and the process. And um, really, hello, British Columbia. My last business trip uh, before Corona brought me, to Va- uh, brought me to Vancouver Island. And I still have some goosebumps when I think back to that time in end of 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I want to so, start with uh, what what is a non-alcoholic wine? Because, uh, you know, talking to Mark earlier, he said that, that uh, you start with alcohol, which I assumed everybody does. But tell us a little bit about the whole genre. Yeah, of course, I'm 58 now. And anywhere, let's say, even 15 years ago, you could pinch me that I would produce uh, anything without alcohol and that I would drink and love an alcohol-free wine. Uh, but now, yeah, time is changing. And, uh, of course, I'm getting older. And, of course, the quality has changed a lot, too. And so now I'm very, very proud and very happy to more or less step in the footsteps of something what was invented 110 years ago wow. in my hometown of Rüdesheim. That is a funny thing. Most people did not imagine that uh, non-alcoholic wine or wine without alcohol is existing as long. But um, I was traveling to Norway um, easily 10 years ago, and one of my really good friends and one of from my few best chefs in Norway, he asked me to produce a substitute for some drivers. You know, Norway, nearly as Canada, it's a long, long way to drive home from a restaurant. There are very, very many <laughs> villages without any any infrastructure, no subway, no taxi, no Uber. And he said, Johannes, mostly women are sitting in a fine dining restaurant in front of an apple juice, or Coca-Cola, nothing against a really, really good uh, class of apple juice. But he said, Johannes, give me please a substitute. What is maybe funny too, many people don't know that, that the penalty for driving intoxicated in Norway is quit 10% of your yearly income. So it was really necessary for them to have wow. a substitute. Yeah. And Odd Ivar, who is really an amazing chef, he said, Johannes, make me the world best grape juice. But mm-hmm. I said, Odd Ivar, we really talk about 200 grams of sugar. And of course, I'm a little bit into nutrition and your body and cell. And we all have to increase that sugar, and especially in grape juice, you have a lot of fructose. It's really not the best when you have a beverage with 200 grams of sugar per liter. 
So um, <clears throat> I remembered that in my hometown, the vacuum distillation, and maybe we come later to the process of the vacuum distillation, was founded. But as a coincidence, at a friend's place across the river, 30 kilometer away, I discovered more or less as a joke, I always call it a Tesla under the vacuum distillations, uh, the highest mo modern most technology, lowest vacuum, very capsuled, aroma sealed and so on. And then to be honest, it, it was not a real special thing. We were the only producer of wine. I hate the word winemaker, but we are the only really winemaker who were brave enough to distill a very, very good quality. And especially in a radio interview, it's hard for me when, when you highlight your own product and when you highlight your own idea, it's always hard that others think, oh, yeah, what have we done? And it's not nice. But to be honest, before that, uh, the most wine who went, in, went into a distillation was really not the best quality. There yeah. can go something wrong in the cellar, very often like volatile acidity or so on. And winemakers said, come on, I can't sell it, not even on the bulk market. Uh, give it to the distillation. Even when that how uh, sounds really bad <laughs> uh, and some other producer might hate me now, but that was more or less the only really thing what we did. We were the first, I would say, they were brave enough to distill a really, really good, like we say in Germany, um, wine quality means uh, a really good, um, yeah, own produced wine, either Riesling or uh, uh, a Rosé. That was mm. more or less the first thing what we did in 2016. So how we say in Germany, we did not invent the wheel new, it's something that we took something what was existing since 110 years, the vacuum distillation, and we said, no, there must be a better beverage uh, possible or a better quality possible and, and use a really, really good base wine. And that all started in 2016. Wow. Johannes, uh, we're speaking with uh, Johannes Leitz about his uh, non-alcoholic wine. Uh, Johannes, you mentioned rosé Riesling, and, and I know you make a sparkling. I know we don't have a ton of time, but why? What's so special about Riesling uh, that that it? Do you think it works better than say Cabernet or Pinot Noir or whatever? How how, how do you decide which grapes can be used? Of course, I'm a Riesling lover. Um, I started with 100% Riesling, and I should not come to a classical, let's say, promotion for Riesling, but I think it's the most food-friendliest variety in the world. And mm -hmm. for me, the treasure is acidity, and maybe it's exactly the same in the, in the no-alcohol version. It is, of course, that we are classical cold-climate growers, that uh, producers, that our base alcohol in general is not as high. That so, of course, the distillation, even when it's very gentle under vacuum with only 28, 30 degrees of Celsius, that it's of course a bit stressful for the base wine. And as lower the general alcohol is, we start with 11.5, maybe 12. So of course that is not as stressful for the wine when you might have 13.5 or 14 
at the beginning. And of course, the fruit component, I think it's, it's very, very important. So I think it's a combination between what brings Riesling in general and yeah. that we are a cold climate uh, growth. Because believe me, 0.0 alcohol, even there are products on the market with 0.3, 0.5, that really helps. But I'm a little proud with our success that we still do 0.0. And then you really need everything as yeah to be as, perfect yeah. As taste component and and as much as possible at the beginning because yes of course alcohol is is not so unimportant in taste <laughs> hey mark what what do your consumers tell you about the i mean we know that this reasoning it really has a, a wonderful flavor to it what are you hearing in the marketplace yeah i mean it's a the it's such an easy comparison for the 0.0 to a regular alcohol Riesling for people in the wine industry and people that understand Riesling. And they're just, they're so surprised. We've had, we've had one buyer say, if you blinded me on this, we would just think it was a delicious cabinet from Germany. Wow. And that's one of the best compliments we can ever get. So we're thrilled with the quality and the pedigree from Lights. Johannes, uh, we're going to run out of time, but did you you obviously have gone back to that chef with your wines. Are they happy with them in, in Norway? Yeah, they are absolutely happy, and I had, I think, some quite good ideas, but that was maybe the best idea ever. It's, it's a huge boom in the complete alcohol-free scene, and there are so many reasons, and everyone is very, very happy, and I know... We're running totally out of time, but please let me tell this very briefly. It was 2016. I was in Sweden to do a little promotion video, and that really convinced me because before that, I was really not brave enough to show it on a big wine fair or even put it on my wine list. And we had on this video, and that was not Norway, it was Sweden, we had some non-alcoholic Riesling with some fresh oysters, and, and after a while... I thought, wow, that's a really, really serious product. And I, I, I also sell my classical wine and the non-alcoholic product with a little bit of understatement. I always say it's really not, you can't compare it so much with a classical wine, but it comes wine so close, especially when it comes to fine dining. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very happy. Of course, I still want to produce also wine with alcohol forever. Yeah. But it's an amazing niche, and for Please us, do. an amazing <laughs> success. Uh, I'm going to turn to Mark to wrap it up. Mark, I, I, I always ask this question. I'm more and more intrigued about it. Should wine writers be writing about non-alcoholic wine? Because uh, what do we know about it? <laughs> you guys have a great palate. You understand texture and flavor and components of wine. And I think that the more you guys taste the non-alc, the more you'll understand it. Yeah. And I think uh, it's better than somebody that is a complete abstainer to to judge non-elk wines because they don't really have a fair baseline for it. Mm. Um, and I think the most interesting kind of quote that came out of a Forbes magazine this year was that the majority of non-elk drinkers aren't abstainers. They're actually just average drinkers looking to take a break from their alcohol consumption. Wow, I love that. So, yeah, hey, Mark, thanks. Thanks. 
Thanks so much for joining us. And, Johannes, I can't thank you enough. I wish we could talk to you for an hour about this. And the next time you're in Vancouver, please uh, make sure that we get together and, and have a much longer chat. Uh, and maybe you can drop by the station. We'll, we'll uh, talk all about your other wines, which are sensational wines from Lights, folks. So, Johannes, thank you so much uh, from Germany and Mark from Calgary for joining us today on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. There's lots more still ahead. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Take a break from the hustle and bustle of the big city and relax in the beautiful and peaceful South Okanagan. Enjoy fantastic wine and culinary offerings throughout the region, including 180 of BC's finest wineries. From Summerland's Bottleneck Drive to the Naramata Bench to Okanagan Falls and Skaha Lake's Heart of Wine Country, down to Oliver Asuyus Wine Country. For community information, wine regions, and more trip inspiration, visit SouthOkanagan.com. It's time to create new memories in the South Okanagan you remember. You make no excuses. You live life without blame. You know how to enjoy every single sip. For you, Cigar Box Pinot Noir. Crafted especially for those seeking the pleasures of life. Bold wine for bold living. Cigar Box Pinot Noir. Dare to find it at a BC liquor store near you. Lively, delicious, and totally alcohol-free. Introducing Piquette Zero from Benjamin Bridge, a creative and unprecedented wine-style beverage. Discover the unique deliciousness of this new sensory experience. Golden sapphire in color with a blonde hue. The nose features zesty suggestions of key lime, blood orange peel, and lemon preserve with a balancing texture of tart cherries. And best of all, Piquette Zero is absolutely alcohol-free. For details, visit softcrush.ca. Today's real estate landscape is fast-paced and complex. Now more than ever, whether you're a buyer or a seller, it's vital to work with a professional real estate company like Remax. Lean into their experience, local market knowledge, and connections. They are your market experts and are excited to help you make your dreams a reality. The right agents for today's market are at Remax, with offices in Summerland, Penticton, and Asuyus. Call or visit them at YourSouthOkanaganHome.com. From the Save on Foods Wines of British Columbia Studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. Well, it's a hot one out there, folks. It's the BC Day long holiday weekend. Hello, British Columbia from BNN 1410 Vancouver and uh, all 19 other cities across the province listening to the Food and Wine Radio Network. Our next guest is a longtime uh, grower, winemaker in the Okanagan. Garen Elms is the director and winemaker at Lake Breeze Vineyards, and he's been there forever. Garen, how are you? <laughs> uh, excellent. Uh, yeah, it's been a while since we've spoken, but yeah, I, I can't complain. Everything's going well. I, I still remember when you came over from South Africa uh, so many years ago. How many years is it now? It must, it's quite a bit. Uh, I think we we actually just I think we just hit twenty seven. Wow! Was 90, 1995 I came over. It's hard to imagine the Okanagan in, in uh, twenty five years ago, but uh, things have changed dramatically. Well, not even not not just uh, not just the Okanagan Naramata Bench. You know, when, yeah. when I when I showed up, there were only five wineries, and uh, now I don't even I've lost count. Wow. 
well, I wanted to talk to you today because, uh, because of COVID, of course, a lot of people are just starting to get back out and visiting wineries. And uh, so I thought a catch-up at Lake Breeze would be fun. And you have started something called the Farmstead. I think we should start with that because it sounds very interesting to me. Yeah, for sure. We can do that. It's, uh, that that's kind of been my, my pet project uh, uh, for the last three years as, as well as my headache. Um, but, uh, the, the, uh, the whole, the thinking behind that was a few years ago, I, I believe it was 2015. We, we bought the adjacent property to us, which had a, a really old house on it. And we tore that down with the intention of actually building, uh, a new restaurant. Um, but we, we were sitting on our patio one day, um, having lunch and we just kind of looked around and we realized that there was no way we would ever recreate the the kind of ambiance that we we already have on our restaurant yeah um which is so a great mark, one our chef yeah mark our chef and i were just up there one day and we thought well we've got this property why don't we start growing our own pro- produce for the uh for the restaurant yeah. and the initial plan was just to throw up some beer fencing and, and pop some lettuce and stuff in the ground but uh, uh a friend of mine in in Kelowna is a landscape architect and he happened to hear about my plan and he decided he wanted to get involved uh, kind of pro bono and it just exploded into a um, you know, a, a fully designed um, combination of the, the, the number one reason for it is still to grow as much of the produce that we can ourselves um, but it's also turned into a bit of an ornamental garden where people can wander around and, and look at some of the native uh, flowers and shrubs and things that we've planted yeah and uh yeah next year we're we're hoping to open a a little bit of a produce stand where people will be able to buy coffee and wander around the garden and possibly sell any of the excess produce wow. that we have yeah that yeah, sounds great that sounds very italian to me uh well yeah the, the ra- raising the pigs is very italian too yeah <laughs> um, we, we jumped into a bit of animal husbandry as well so we got uh we got four pigs up there and about 25 chickens that are supplying us with eggs Um, so yeah the whole thing is to go a little bit farm to table that's the whole idea yeah i love it does it cut into your sailing time or uh just about everything these days cuts into my sailing (laughs) time (laughs) yeah but uh I, i i make the time well, we should mention Jessica Young because uh, I, I, you know, people remember the garden so well at uh, Lake Breeze. Now, was she not in charge of the gardens before she became the manager at Farmstead? Or yeah, yeah, absolutely. She's uh, she's been responsible for the gardens ar- around the, the patio and the restaurant uh, area for years. Hmm. Um, so she was kind of just a natural choice when we were expanding this um, to hire her on full time. And yeah, she's. She's gone from just being a gardener to uh, you know, uh, basically a produce farmer and, uh, yeah. and a pig and chicken farmer. Good for her. Yeah. Uh, our guest is Garen Elms. He's the director and winemaker at uh, Lake Breeze Vineyards. Garen, t- can you bring us a little bit up to date post-COVID about what uh, the experience is? Now, you used to or you have uh, uh, tastings there, reserve tastings. How is all that working at the moment? Um, well, basically, we've we've gone back to more or less the way we used to operate, but we we do we do prefer reservations. Um, right. But we we do take drop-ins um, both in the tasting room and and on the patio. Mm. Okay, well, that's good to know. 
now I want to talk about a couple of wines. You've been uh, experimenting, like like many have in the wine business, uh, with skin contact wines. So tell us a bit about a skin contact wine. What is it that that's so attractive to uh, winemakers to to try this process? And which kind of what kind of wines are you producing? Uh, well, from 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 my perspective, the the reason we went that way. Um, don't don't uh, I. Um, uh, actually, I probably shouldn't even go the route of orange wines and, and go in there. But uh, please don't. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> yeah. I, I started. Uh, I, the, the thinking started with uh, with our Sauvignon Blanc, which was actually fruit that came from uh, a, a vineyard in in Karameas. and beautiful fruit that gave us good wines every year. But I I just started to feel like the uh, uh, the wine was really one dimensional. Right. Um, and we tried all sorts of things in the vineyard, you know, to to, to try and uh, try and get uh, get a little bit more oomph out of the grapes. But it was one of those properties that basically, you know, it gave you what it gave you, and you just had to use what you got. Um, so yeah, we decided to try uh, this. The first time we did it was twenty 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 vintage, um, just about twenty five percent fermenting on the skins, doing a wild ferment, um, and, and then uh, pressing off of the skins uh, as soon as fermentation was done. Right. And then uh, back, back blending everything. And, um, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, I think it's the, I think it's the best Sauvignon Blanc that we've made. So um, it, it just gives you a little bit of uh, another dimension, a, l- a little bit of yeah. funk for a, a lack of a better word. Yeah, so so I want to say uh, uh, less emphasis on the fruit and more on texture and and maybe layers of uh, of flavors that sort of thing. Yeah, ex- exactly. Instead of your you know straight up fresh cut grass and and vegetal aromas, right. you know some so, something else there in the background on the palate and and, yeah. and on the nose. So well, yeah, that was, great six- that, that was the idea. Yeah, uh, you've had great success with Pinot Blanc. There, uh, you you're also experimenting with that. Yeah, the uh, the the Pinot Blanc. The first time we did that was uh, was last year, um, and again, just uh, just playing around, uh, trying new things to try and uh, you know just add extra dimensions to wines that we've been making you know for a, for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, we're speaking with Garen Alms. He's the director and winemaker at Lake Breeze Vineyards. Maybe, you know, you have another winemaker there. Maybe we should introduce him to folks because uh, he's he's been working with you now for a while. Yeah, sure. So uh, Victor Costa is the is the other winemaker. And, uh, I mean, for all, in, for all intents and purposes, he he does the physical winemaking. Um, you know, I, right. I think I probably do more of the uh, – I'm more involved in the vineyard and – you know, of course, kind of, kind of the the mental part of it, but he he does. I couldn't do it without him. He he does, you know, ninety nine point nine percent of of the physical stuff. And yeah, he's been with us sure. for oh, I believe ten years now. Yeah, always good to mention the people that are working every day in that cellar. Uh, never an easy job. Hey, uh, the wine that's impressed me a lot uh, recently, uh, and I don't know uh, whether it's a series or not, but tell us a little bit about this uh, Mistral wine that uh, you released, the 2018. I know it got a gold medal at the National Wine Awards and uh, wowed the judges, but I, I just love this wine. Uh, is it a? Uh, tell us about it. It, it. To me, it seems very Naramata. Yeah, well, um, it's uh, well to start with. It, it is a part of uh, what we call our, our cellar series, which is uh, a series of wines that's all uh, single vineyards, all grown on the Naramata bench. What, what we consider to be the, the best of the best, um, and uh-huh. that fruit is grown 
on a little vineyard. Uh, it's only about an acre and a half. Uh, probably three kilometers down the road from us, uh, heading towards Penticton. Um, mm-hmm. And we we grabbed that fruit about four years ago and made just a small amount exclusively for our wine club. And the wine turned out so well that uh, um, we immediately started making the Mistral, which is 100% Syrah, um, with yeah. a, a little bit of a Viognier co-ferment, as, as a lot of people do. Um, so, yeah, it, it's just a vineyard that produces fantastic fruit, and it's, it's been getting better, getting better year after year as the vines are getting a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, uh before we let you go, I always, I, I really, you know, I've had a chance to study, as, as you have the Naramata now for 25 years, sir, so much change, so many wineries. But I think one thing that hasn't changed is that, it, to me, it's like the sweet spot of the Okanagan Valley. And, and, like, this Syrah is a good example of it, where everything is kind of in balance, nothing sticking out, and not too hot, not too cool, but uh, the balance is, is beautiful. Are you uh, are you in, as much in love with it now as the first time you saw it? Oh yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, I from my perspective, I think the the, the Naramata bench is is basically ideal conditions for uh, almost almost any variety except your super duper late ripening ones. Um, just the combination of uh, uh, of the coolness in the evenings, as well as getting enough enough heat to properly ripen things, you know, it helps you mm-hmm. you maintain your your acid. And uh, yeah, for for me in winemaking, uh, acid is almost more important than anything else. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. It, it's just uh, almost everything that we grow um, uh, just comes in beautifully balanced. Wow. Garen, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. It was great to get a, an update at Lake Breeze. So uh, you still prefer that people make a reservation, but they can drop by. The The restaurant patio is back open, and uh, the, the views from the bench have never been better. Thanks so much. My pleasure. That was Garen Elms. He's the director and winemaker at Lake Breeze Vineyards. Still plenty more to come on the show. Master of Wine Jeffrey Moss, from he's a Gizmondi Wine contributor and the owner of Lithica Wine Marketing. He returns to talk about the platinum medals and the best-performing small winery of the year and the winery of the year at the National Wine Awards. This is BC Food and Wine Radio, and I'm Anthony Gismondi. There's more to come. This is BC Food and Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi. Penticton, the hub of the South Okanagan. A place to slow down, take your time, and enjoy perfect patio weather and a world-class wine and culinary scene. With 80 wineries within a 20-minute drive, along with distilleries and cideries, eight craft breweries, and a fantastic variety of locally sourced restaurants, Penticton is the perfect destination for your relaxing summer getaway. For details on wineries, tours, tasting room, and restaurant hours before you go, and for more trip inspiration, head to visitpenticton.com. Summer in the Okanagan. Great food, fine wine, fabulous views. You can have it all at Mount Boucherie Estate Winery and the Modest Butcher Restaurant in West Kelowna. Enjoy the stunning vistas while wine tasting outside on the patio. Or step inside the Modest Butcher for some delicious new summer dishes from the menu. Online tasting bookings and table reservations are recommended due to limited seating. Just go to mtboucherie and modestbutcher.com. You make no excuses. You live life without blame. You know how to enjoy every single sip.
for you. Cigar Box Pinot Noir. Crafted especially for those seeking the pleasures of life. Bold wine for bold living. Cigar Box Pinot Noir. Dare to find it at a BC liquor store near you. Sun, water, soil. Organically farmed and made in collaboration with Mother Nature, Liber's terroir-focused small lot wines capture the essence of the Okanagan and Similkameen Valleys. Join the wine club to receive delivery of award-winning wines, new releases in spring and fall, early access to library wines, complimentary tastings, and more. Liber Farm and Winery looks forward to hosting you in their spacious covered wine garden in Asuyas. Discover more at liberfarm.com. Simply great wines. From the Save on Foods Wines of British Columbia Studios, it's BC Food and Wine Radio. Now, here's Anthony Gismondi. Hello, British Columbia. The 2022 National Wine Awards of Canada are wrapped up, and today's big announcements about the Winery of the Year will be big news across BC. To help us talk about some of the results, we've asked Master of Wine and judge Jeffrey Moss. Uh, he's a contributor at uh, Gizmondi on Wine and also the owner of Lithica Wine Marketing. He's situated in Penticton. He joins us to talk about the results. Jeff, how are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Let's start with the big uh, big results. Winery of the Year just announced uh, this morning across the country, Cedar Creek Estate. Uh, that's a pretty big uh, uh, award for them to win. Yeah, and I don't know if that's a, a surprise, at least for people who have been following Cedar Creek recently. It feels like Cedar Creek is a almost completely different winery than it was, say, even five years ago. I mean, the packaging is mm-hmm. different. But for those that haven't been to the winery uh, located in East Kelowna recently, I mean, completely renovated. It's just stunning what they've done both in the tasting room and the restaurants. And the yeah. restaurant itself is now, I would say, one of the kind of fine dining destinations in Kelowna. Oh, yeah, for sure. And and also they have a building, practically most of the building is dedicated to their wine club members, which is something special, too. Yeah, I think what they've done in terms of making it a hospitality destination really kind of speaks to their intention. And that follows through to the wines as well. I mean, it always comes back to the wines. And I think, you know, with the 2020 vintage, when you look at the results, a lot of um, their strong results uh, come from the really strong 2020 vintage. And it just shows that the wines have kind of been taken to another level. Yeah. Uh, We're talking to Jeff Moss. He's an MW out of uh, Penticton, uh, works with me at Gizmondi on Wine, and also he's the owner of Lithica Wine Marketing. Jeff, uh, what the winery of the year, you know, to put it very quickly, uh, any winery can be in that competition if they enter five or more wines. We calculate uh, their uh, their standing by their top five wines. It's quite a big process in which uh, you get you get points based on your bronze, silver, gold, and platinum medals. Of course, uh, the higher the medal, the more value that sort of thing. They had two platinum medals, uh, only other one other winery to do that this year, and they got a platinum for their Aspect Block 3 Riesling and their Jagged Rock Syrah, which I think, you know, well, I know contributed to their win uh, over uh, over the 200 and some odd wineries that were in the competition. Yeah, and I tasted the 2020 Jagged Rock Syrah. I think that was on my last day of the competition, mm-hmm. and it was a wine that just really wowed all of the judges on, on my panel just showing that kind of opulent ripe fruit that you expect from 
the black sage bench, but with this amazing floral perfume and spices, just a a really impressive, well-made wine. Well, there's something about Jagged Rock. It, it shows up in a lot of medals this year from different wineries. It's a great piece of dirt, and, and I think we're going to hear much more about that vineyard in the years to come. Although, frankly, they're a northern vineyard, so Riesling and Pinot Noir is where they're at, and they're moving even further north. They've got uh, something going on up in Vernon, and they're really going to be exploring the sort of 50-plus degree uh, as time moves on uh, latitudes. Yeah, and I would say the 2020, the Aspect Block 3 Riesling coming from from East Kelowna uh, Mm -hmm. is just a beautiful expression of of East Kelowna Riesling. It's restrained and citrusy, and it's really all about that texture and mineral-driven palate uh, that's beautifully balanced. Such a delicious wine. Hey, uh, BC got better news. Uh, Best-performing small winery under 10,000 cases. Now that goes to uh, Spearhead Winery. Uh, and our uh, old friend Grant Stanley, who's uh, made quite an impression around the Okanagan in the past few years. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of, of Spearhead. I don't know if it's fair to say that they've been flying a little bit under the radar, but mm-hmm. I think they've been quietly making some of the strongest Pinot Noir throughout the Okanagan. And I think that's now well reflected with the results this year in the competition. And I know yeah. they won a platinum medal for their 2019 Coyote Vineyard. That's Pinot correct. Noir. Yeah. Uh, yep. But really, their entire Pinot Noir program, led by Grant Stanley, is just really strong, beautiful expressions of, of Pinot Noir, kind of showing real pure red fruits, beautiful integrated oak, but with a nice earthy, savory character that we look for from Pinot as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I should mention to, to listeners, all of these results are available at Winaline uh, on their website, uh, they've been rolling out throughout the month, but these top awards have come out today. So you can, uh, uh, we're talking fast, but you'll be able to look up all of these wines. And I want to get to the 24 platinum medals that were handed out. Uh, you listen to that and you go, wow, that seems like a lot of platinums. Well, folks, 24 out of uh, 1,900 wines, basically, the way it works at the awards is it's the 1% in ties. So it's a very, very high bar. And uh, so, Jeff, what? What, in your estimation, what what is a platinum wine? If you try if you tried to discuss just what a platinum is to a consumer, what would you tell them? I don't think it's rocket science in my mind. For me, it really comes down to you know what I call wow wines. You know, yeah. is that a wine that you put in your glass and you just go wow, wow? Uh, and that's what I'm looking for when it comes to a platinum wine. You know, no kind of like on the fence, like oh, this is pretty good. You know, I just yeah. want that immediate wow. And I yeah. think that's what you really see on this platinum list. And, and there's some wines that really come to mind. For one, uh, the Black Hills 2020 Ipso Facto. Oh, that yeah. That was a wine in competition. Uh, it, immediately, you just, you know, even just taking it to your nose, you're like, wow, there's something special here. Uh, yeah. And I think that was my highest scoring wine throughout the competition. Yeah. And you, uh, well, that that wine, Black Hills, that's a that's a wine that's made by Ross Weiss, who's a winemaker and an MW as well. Which I love that combination because uh, I think if you don't know great wine, you can't make great wine. But you know, it's a personal opinion. But it's really a terrific wine. But then you have a wine like the Kitsch Ester Block Riesling, which uh, you know is the uh, almost the opposite of the Ipso Facto, and yet it has the same qualities, the same wow factor. Yeah, exactly. You know, if if so facto is kind of about luscious fruits, beautiful ripeness uh, coming from the South Okanagan, then you have Kitsch's 
Esther's block Riesling, which is just about kind of that restraint, texture, minerality, and citrus notes that we expect from East Kelowna Riesling. And just a really beautiful expression of East Kelowna Riesling yeah. that made the judges go wow. Well, we can't do all 24, but uh, the Mission Hill Terroir Collection was another one of your favorites, and it's a jagged rock wine again. We talked about that earlier. Uh, how would you characterize this uh, this wine? To, to me, again, shows that ripeness of, of the Black Sage Bench and Jagged Rock Vineyard. It's just a ripe blockbuster Syrah with opulent blackberry, blueberry fruit, layered with a lot of spice, but really suave and polished. And I think that's mm. what impressed the judges and myself uh, in the competition. And just yeah. tasting through the, the Ipso Facto, I didn't mention, that's a blend of Cabernet Sauvignon and Syrah. But it, there's some flights in the competition that judges kind of get excited about. Um, and it's not because of favorite varieties or anything like that. It's really about the quality of the wines throughout the flight. Mm. And Syrah is consistently one of those flights people get excited about just because of the quality of Canadian Syrah. Riesling would be another example. You know, just yeah, for sure. The quality of Canadian Riesling is so strong. Hey, Jeff, uh, uh, I just tell people that they can check out this list. We don't have time to go through them by price, but there was some Platinums at $14, $16. In fact, the top wine was only $60. So even though many people complain about the rising price of Canadian wine, some of these top wines are, are pretty good value. Exactly, that's exactly right. And I think, you know, it's funny to say like $60 is a good value wine. But in the grand scheme of things, these are yeah. you know not just top Canadian wines, but these are truly world-class wines, wines that you can compete on the international stage with. And in yep. that context, I mean, $60 all of a sudden looks like great value versus spending, say, hundreds of dollars on a bottle of Bordeaux or Northern Rhone Syrah. Yeah, totally. Exactly, hey. yeah. Lastly, the question I really want to get to you is that you've got a lot of expertise in winery branding and how they tell their story. How would you maximize a Winery of the Year award or a platinum or gold medal won at the Nationals? What would you tell a winery to do with that? Well, I think spread the word, but it's not as simple as saying, oh, we won another gold medal or platinum medal. There's something about the National Wine Awards of Canada that's different. You know, it's the competition that Canadian wineries want to enter. They want to enter because of the number of entries. I mean, this year, I think we were over 2,000 entries. So really, this is a benchmark for Canadian yeah. wine. It's where right people want to be judged against top peers. Um, and for that reason, it's also the quality of judges as well. So it's not mm -hmm. just kind of, it's easy to go into some competitions and get a gold or platinum medal, but I would really emphasize to wineries to tell why the National Wine Awards of Canada are at a different level on another caliber of competition and why, for example, the platinum medal is so meaningful. It's really the top 1% of Canada. Yeah. Jeffrey Moss, Master of Wine, thanks so much for your update on that. Always great to chat with you. Uh, and uh, I know that you're sweltering in the heat in Penticton this weekend, uh, so you better go by, uh, get out there and jump in the lake, I guess. I'm going straight to the beach after this. <laughs> See you later. Thanks, Jeff. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Tony. Yeah, Jeffrey Moss, M.W. Penticton, and uh, head of Lithica Wines, and, of course, a contributor Gizmani on Wine. Com. Up next, our special BC Day Long Weekend show continues nearby on the Naramata bench with Annalisa Simonson. She's the Director of Operations at Creek and Gully Cidery. This is BC Food and Wine Radio, and I'm Anthony Gismondi. There's more to come. This is BC Food and Wine Radio with Anthony Gismondi. 
Clos de Soleil Winery knows that the best wines keep it simple. It's all about the grapes and the place where they are grown. Minimal handling, minimal intervention, maximum beauty in the bottle. Nestled in a sunny, stony corner of BC's Similkameen Valley, Clos de Soleil produces wines that blend the best of Bordeaux varieties with their unique terroir. The result? Wines that are elegant and effortlessly special. Tastings by appointment or buy online at clodesoleil.ca. Free shipping to BC and Alberta on orders of six or more bottles. You make no excuses. You live life without blame. You know how to enjoy every single sip. For you, Cigar Box Pinot Noir. Crafted especially for those seeking the pleasures of life. Bold wine for bold living. Cigar Box Pinot Noir. Dare to find it at a BC liquor store near you. The flavors of the region come alive at 15 Park Bistro at Watermark Beach Resort in Asuyas. Enjoy lakeside dining inside or outside on the patio. Chef Nick Atkins and his team are ready to offer up top-notch, seasonal, and locally inspired menus to complement the unmatched views of beautiful Lake Asuyas. For an unforgettable dining experience, 15 Park Bistro is the lakeside place to be. Now open for breakfast Saturday and Sunday mornings at 8. To find out more, visit 15parkbistro.com. Refreshing, relaxing, romantic. Get away to Therapy Vineyards and stay at their modern, comfortable, and spacious boutique inn. Experience your moment of awe from the balcony of your room while taking in the panoramic views of the vineyards and Okanagan Lake. Capture the essence of the grape-growing season while luxuriating at your home base for wine tours. Oh, and did we mention award-winning wines? Book your relaxing retreat or perfect couples getaway today at therapyvineyards.com. And now, a BC Food and Wine Radio Spotlight on British Columbia Wineries. Presented by Valley First Wealth Management. Working with you to give you confidence in your financial future. Valley First Wealth Management is a division of FW Wealth Management Limited. Hello, British Columbia. I hope you're staying cool on this hot BC day-long weekend. Uh, we're back with a special shout-out to all the Bounce radio stations across the province. Our next guest is Annalisa Simonson. She's the Director of Operations at Creek and Gully Cidery in Naramata. And uh, we're going to talk about cider today on the BC Food & Wine Show. Annalisa, how are you? I'm doing great, Anthony. And yourself? Uh, I'm very well. You have to go easy on me. I'm not a cider expert, uh, but I know that you are, so uh, that's why. You know I what? I actually wouldn't say I am either. It's a it's a new area of fermentation for Canada, and we're all learning all the time. Okay. Well, there we go. We can learn together. Uh, yeah. But th- this is not a. You're. I guess we could say that you're a new cidery, but you're not new to Naramata. Tell us a little bit about the history here. Yeah, totally. So um, you are correct. My family has been in Naramata for five generations, and we have been farming for that entire time. Uh, we actually have our sixth generation that is wandering around, you know, making chaos these days as well. <laughs> A little too young to start farming, uh, yeah. but yeah, they'll be starting soon. Never too young to start eating apples, I guess. That is very true. I have never mm. seen so many apples consumed by a small child. Wow. Well, that brings me to my first question about uh, apples and cideries. Uh, is there a difference in what kind of apples uh, are involved at uh, Creek and Gully? Certainly there is, yeah. So 
the easiest way for me to explain the difference between a dessert apple and a cider apple is pretty easy. It's like if you take a bite of an apple and you go like, ew, that's gross. I don't really want to <laughs> eat that. You yeah. obviously have decided that you want to do something secondary to that in order to want to consume it. So that's a pretty easy differentiation between a cider and a dessert apple. What we do at Creek and Gully is we use dessert apples, and that is because we predominantly grow food for people to consume, and we just take our C-grade or our damaged fruit and turn that into cider. Okay. That is very interesting. Uh, so how would you describe the style of your ciders, and, and who determines all that? Yeah, so we are a board of three family members, my sister-in-law, Kaylee Jorgensen, and my father, Peter Simonson. Um, but honestly, the person that makes the most calls is our cider maker, Alyssa Hubert. Mm. Uh, we model ourselves after natural sparkling wines, so we do have a set of ideas to work with. But of course, things have to adapt when you are dealing with uh, dessert apples as opposed to grapes. And what about the actual, uh, uh, by the way, our guest is Annalisa Simonson. She's the Director of Operations at Creek and Gully Cidery uh, on the Naramata bench. Uh, how about the growing aspect? We hear a lot about uh, organics and biodynamics and sustainable. How do you run this business? Yeah, we are a certified organic farm and have been for 38 years now. So I believe wow. we're the first certified uh, farm in Naramata itself. The first certified farm, that's fantastic, uh, 38 years ago. Yeah, uh, I'm sure there were farmers who were farming a similar method, but, yeah, certification-wise, I believe believe that's us. Yeah. So so you produce this, uh, uh, well, one other thing I want to talk about, we're going to get to these ciders right away, but you also, you pretty much use everything. You grow the fruit, you, you make the ciders, and then uh, even the pumice is used. Can you tell us a little bit about that story? Yeah, that's actually a fun new one for us. So the goal with the farm is to reduce as much food waste as possible. So, of course, when we had that same problem presented to us on the cider-making side of things with our pomace, like our pressed-off apple bits, we yeah. were trying to figure out what we wanted to do with it. We happily found a woman down in Coston who actually takes our pomace, dries it, and then pulverizes it and turns it into apple flour, which is a gluten-free flour alternative. That is amazing. Apple flour. Yeah, it's uh, the same wow. as any other gluten alternative. When you bake with it, you definitely need to up your hydration yeah. uh, of whatever you're cooking, but it does make a delicious cookie. Oh, good for you. Uh, it's it's so interesting, I think, how much... I, I sometimes think that consumers don't really understand how much work goes into these products now behind the scenes to make them you know, as, as natural and as healthy and, and as... Uh, uh, well used, I guess, everything used from, uh, from from front to back. So congratulations on that. Okay, let's get yeah, to the good stuff. You. Let's talk about the, the ciders themselves. So you have a range of ciders. How would you how would you lay them out? Uh, what what are the differences? Or let's talk about some of your favorites. Yeah. So I guess some brief things that apply to all of the ciders that we produce. So they are all ambient ferment, which means we just let them ferment with whatever wild yeast comes in on the fruit or is in the air. Right. Uh, everything is bottle conditioned. So really it's just making its own carbonation by fermenting in the bottle. And we do that two different ways, predominantly ancestral method. So where yep. you just actually capture your first fermentation and you allow that to finish in the bottle. Uh, as well as traditional method where you let the first fermentation pass you by and then you purposely build uh, and allow a secondary fermentation to happen in the bottle. 
Yeah. Uh, and then we kind of treat them two different ways after that. Some of them we leave undisgorged, so you have your lovely sediment in them. Uh, and others we hand riddle and hand disgorge in order, in order to build everything to the same atmosphere of pressure as a sparkling wine. Wow. Um, very sophisticated. Yeah, so, oh, I thank you. It's actually uh, some very, very old techniques uh, that just require a lot of labor. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, uh, when you make fine wine, it's the same way. It's all about it's all about the hard work behind the wine. Uh, totally. Okay, and it's so, about trying it every day and loving it. I think uh, that should show in all of our products that we produce. Yeah. So people can go to your website and can they order these uh, uh, products, the, the ciders, from there, or do they have to come by the winery or the cidery? How does that work? Yeah. So we do both. We have an online system at creekandgully.com. Or you can drop by our tasting room, which is actually just run out of our production room uh, on the Naramata bench. And lastly, we do sell in Vancouver, uh, Victoria, all the way to Alberta. And we have just started selling some things in Quebec as well. Wow. Now, uh, I guess the other point is uh, Naramata is a very busy place, a lot of uh, tourists on the bench. So if, if I'm on the bench and I come to the cidery, can I do a tasting or is there some tours or how does all that work? Certainly, yeah. We do have a tasting room that offers uh, a first-come, first-serve seating. Uh, we will accept reservations as well if you don't want to wait. Uh, we're open seven days a week from 11 until 5, and we really just run you through five of our favorite ciders, tell you a bit about them. Uh, you're very likely to do a tasting with either myself or even my mom, who I have forced to work in the tasting room in her retirement. <laughs> oh, good for you. Well, I've got my uh, yeah. eye on, uh, I have my eye on Goldie. Uh, now, this is a cider that's been aged for 12 months in neutral oak and bottled condition for nine more months. That sounds like a lot of work to me. It must be a pretty delicious wine by that time. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. It's kind of our experimentation in what happens when you start aging cider, which is, of course, a thing done like around the world, but it is predominantly done with cider apples. So when we're working mm. with dessert apples, we have a slightly different uh, sugar level, compound level, tannic structure, all of these few things. And so we're trying to figure out how long can we age this cider. So it's, uh, it's a bit of an experiment each year. Uh, we yeah. are changing it up every vintage, which is part of the reason why we vintage all of our ciders. Uh, so you as a consumer can follow what we are experimenting with and what are we, what we are changing in yeah. the cidery. Great idea. We're almost out of time. Just a couple of quick bites. What would people eat with cider or serve? Or how, how, what would you uh, pull out to serve alongside a cider if you had to? Yeah, anything that goes with an apple is a pretty safe bet. Like if you want something like lovely like pork chops or, yeah. I don't know, if you want to do Goldie, I suggest pairing that one with some super lovely charcuterie. Uh, we have some really nice ciders. One of my favorites, Crabby Pear, is a 50-50 Bartlett Pear Crab Apple Blend. It goes phenomenal with any spicy food. So wow. if you want to get like a really lovely pho or some Indian food and pair that, it is a great comparison. Thanks so much for the the quick radio tour. Uh, I can't wait to do one in person, but it's been fun to catch up and learn a little bit about a cider today with Annalisa Simonson. She's the Director of Operations at Creek and Gully Cidery, coming to us from the Naramata bench. Thanks, Annalisa. Very lovely to chat. Thanks for having me.
Well, that's it for today's show. I think I may go jump in the ocean today, too. Uh, it's going to be a warm one all weekend, folks, so protect yourself. And a special thanks to our production team, including our Vancouver technical producer, Dwayne Bishop, our assignment producer, Sherry Caleb, and our director of operations, Stu Ferguson. Now, join us next week when we're back on the road in Summerland, B.C., for a stop with Bottleneck Drive producers. Until then, from all of us at the show... I'm Anthony Gizmani, wishing you a relaxing BC Day long weekend across the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Join us next time for another Spotlight on British Columbia Wineries presented by Valley First Wealth Management. Working with you to give you confidence in your financial future. Valley First Wealth Management is a division of FW Wealth Management Limited.